Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, HD underscore star on Twitter. Joined as always by Ben Ross, Renboss23 on the Bird app. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Glad to see justice being served in the form of the Super League sort of crumbling um, at our feet. I just love seeing like that type of public pressure. Caving in, and the like. The thing is, this is go foot foot on the gas right away. Forty seconds Mm -hmm. in the pod, Mm -hmm. you know, people are saying like there's speculation. I don't think it's speculation. I don't think it's going anywhere. But if there is to be a college football equivalent of this happening, uh, which I don't think will happen, but also maybe I don't know, but that it would just you know it happen. No matter no amount of pressure from fans, players, and coaches would stop the money machine from going burr on, on that type of deal. Whereas, you know, obviously the Super League was going to create all kinds of money, but the backlash they saw from fans, and I guess I think J- it sounds like J.P. Morgan might have fumbled the ball too a little bit here, which, you know, love to see an American bank really screw <laughs> screw something else up. You know, there's no no history of that happening ever. Um <laughs> It, Americans would just sort of lie down and, and and take it. And I think that's so true. And I just love to see our brethren across the pond link arms and spit in the faces of um, the sheiks who own uh, the, these clubs. But also the Americans who own these cl- clubs. Like Stan Kroenke, I, I texted my friend from St. Louis and like this checks out 100% that Stan Kroenke would be the guy who tries to uh, get something started only to have it fail miserably. And he called him a ghoul. Um, the guy has never seen a dollar sign that he has not liked. So it it's delightful to see them, the glazer, Glazers, all sorts of things. And like heads are rolling. I think that's maybe the wildest thing is that it feels in a way maybe the American equivalent is Dan Beebe's fumbling of the big 12 back when Missouri and Nebraska departed. But Mm. I I think um, first you, you had me set up pretty well there. So I think you're going to set up a lot of people. Um, But yeah, I mean, the super league is a great idea in theory at the, in the American setting. And I 100% agree that we would take it. That that's that's just how how we would roll. The dollar signs would be simply too much, and I think depending on how it's set up, I would love to see relegation. Like that's one of the things I just want to see in American sports. So I would love to see relegation hit it um, in some way. But the the Andy Staples article that had I think Nebraska Nebraska and Michigan even Michigan is kind of irrelevant now um, that was a, a tough one but I think 
I think you could do 12, and I think it would make a ton of sense, especially if you broke off Power 5. Because the way I view it is Iowa under Kirk Ferentz would take a... They would be very happy not to compete in the Super League because these teams are already playing different sports. Ohio State plays a different sport than Iowa. And you get, you know, the 12 teams that are ostensibly playing the same sport together. Hey, and somehow the money might all um, shake out, trickle down in a way that is maybe fair. But, uh, I, yeah, if if Power 5 decided to break off 65 teams, create a 12-team Super League, and then maybe, what, four, four other 12-team leagues, yeah, we, we would be fine with that, I think. Couple things I want to unpack there. First, sure. I knew Crank, I know Cranky owned Arsenal. I didn't realize. He, do you know he owns two esports teams as well? Oh, esports teams! Wow. The Los Angeles Gorillas and the Los Angeles Gladiators. One is an Overwatch league, and the other is a Call of Duty league, which I didn't realize CDL existed. <laughs> um, what other American owners are there in EPL? Uh, the Glazers, right? Aren't they American with Manchester United? We'll have to get Sir Nicholas to confirm it uh, outside of okay. this. And then um, Fenway Sports Group. So LeBron James was a part of this. They own Liverpool. Mm. Um, yeah, the Glazer family. And I would, I, I feel like there's a couple more, but I think to your point, the the uh, oil money owns like Chelsea and Man City um and what oh, was the, the third Mur- one? Oh, the, oh the murdochs have a hand in this and that's nice no th- this is all just <laughs> checking out god um second thing i want to unpack i don't want to talk about billionaires anymore well now we'll talk about millionaires the thing i, I of course i want to see regulation re- relegation excuse me mm-hmm. american sports that will never ever happen for better yeah. or for worse i guess it's what makes it a little bit different um, I don't see why it couldn't happen in like the MLS or some or something like it would never happen in the NFL or NBA or MLB. I want to see players on loan more than anything. I want to see players on loan when you know, let's see, the Saints they had three quarter Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, and uh, what Taysom Hill, guy who's a quarterback but isn't really a quarterback. Yes, let's give Jameis to a team that really needs it. That's you know the Eagles who had four quarterbacks die or just for a season, something like that. I would love to see a team has four number one running caliber running backs. Like why not put them on loan and let another team pick up that contract? I do not see that will never happen in the NFL because coaches are so fucking particular about their plays and secrecy and all that BS. But I think that's the carryover we should see from European sports is players in relegation and not Jesus on loan. Maybe you can see that in the NBA. I guess, but the the parody is, I think, maybe not parody. The the talent gap is so razor thin. I think between you, we see it with Tyler Cook, you know, um, there just might not be that much opportunity for it. With baseball, you could see it with you know, uh, pitchers, you know, like a team like the Cubs. They had Schwarber playing a position at left field where he couldn't really do, you know. Now that, but that's something I would love to see in American sports. Yeah, I mean, isn't the thing holding back that the the salary cap salary I mean, cap this, would never they could make it they could obviously they could easily write in exceptions for the salary cap, but yeah. it, it just would never happen. 
I mean, it truly is like the wild, wild west. Um, when you look at some of these like signing days or whatever for uh, soccer, football. I mean, it's it's crazy to see the numbers that pass around because the thing that that always blows my mind is like these transfer fees that these guys have. Mm-hmm. And that isn't even money that goes to them. That's the money that teams are paying for the right to negotiate contracts with the guy who, I mean, I don't know how much money Cristiano Ronaldo makes playing for Ju- Juventus, I think is who it is. Um, but the transfer fee that he had from Real Madrid was probably some insane number. Like, I, I that's what blows me away. Uh, we're a soccer pod. We are a soccer pod now. Um, the other thing I wanted to discuss, other than the fact that it snowed in both our cities today, which was mm-hmm. a... I don't know. I guess the question for you is, did it accumulate or is it gone now for you? Yeah, it's gone. And it was still like, I don't know. I'm such a baby. Uh, Tuesdays are the day where I usually run. And so it's, I think it was 41 degrees, but it felt like, you know, like maybe let's say 35 degrees and I just can't run outdoors and I'm ill-equipped. I can't do it. Um, So I went for a brisk walk instead. Um, but But it's annoying. Like two, I was saying to myself, Two weeks ago, I was doing this podcast on my back porch yep. with you, and now I, I'm I've been flirting the past few nights. I've been struggling on whether or not to turn on the heat. We are a heat household. Another story. Well, yeah, time. You've got a, you've got a wife, so yeah. Th- there's that, and there there's also the hole in our <laughs> master bathroom that I stepped on a drywall while up in the attic perusing about so we have a hole in our master bathroom so that's plugged up with the box waiting to get some estimates homeownership everyone um the joys the joys the joys uh it was quite infuriating at the time but hilarious looking back on it um for the very not to cut you off for the very first people do you have friends maybe you do this that people who just look at houses on Zillow and in places they don't live and will probably never live. Ben, my wife does this. So yes, I have I feel friends like it's a, who, who do this. I feel like it's a, yeah, a female forward problem, but I found myself doing this for the very first time yesterday and today. It, it's a lot of fun. And I was doing it exclusively in big 10 college towns too. Oh yeah. Because uh, a recruiter reached out to me for a job in Madison. I was like, ah, oh, I could probably, I could maybe live in Madison and I would, I would be able to, I could afford a, a three bedroom uh, re- rental of a house with a yard uh, for what I'm paying rent in Chicago uh, for my one bedroom apartment. Like, man, man, but the job didn't pay crap. So it's not going to happen. Ah, that stinks. That stinks mm-hmm. because I, both my brothers live in Madison and it is a fun town. It is a fun town for sure. I think I could do it. I really do. Oh yeah, Madison. Madison's an easy place to live, and I guess it would be, it would be closer to your family if they were not uh, to Arizona, yeah. desert <laughs> desert dwellers. Yeah. Um, then the other thing I did want to discuss was you alluded to a story on the Bird app in your back and forth, I believe, with Todd Bromelkamp mm-hmm. about the outgoing uh, Iowa swim coach and. 
I just wanted to give you the floor for the story of how you had to describe what is on and off the record with the now retired Mark Long. Mark Long, you know, so now we're a swimming podcast. I'd like to set the stage. I am a plump, must be a college sophomore at this time. My very, the sec, my second beat ever for the Daily Iowa, my first beat with men's tennis. Steve Houghton, men's tennis coach at that time, I believe retired after 32 years, a couple of years ago, great guy. Um, Mark Long was who I was handed to as the beat reporter for men's swimming and diving team. Bob Bridge was a diving coach at the time. Um, I've got a Ridge story we don't have to get into, maybe if there's time at the end. Uh, that'll be bonus content for our Patreon. Um, Mark Long <laughs> was the type of person, he was a swimmer at Iowa. If you've ever encountered a college swimmer, um, high-level college swimmer, you know they're a little, they're wired a little bit differently, for better or for worse. And Mark Long was no different. He was, except he was a 50-year-old man when I <laughs> dealt with him. Um, some Something you should know about Mark Long is he he believed that you should always spend the night in your own bed. So no matter who Iowa was swimming against in Big Ten play, they would always fly out that morning and fly back that night. They would never spend a night that was unnecessary uh, because he believes his team would swim better, maybe with a few hours less sleep, but as long as it was in their own bed, it made up for it. So one time we're preparing for the Big Ten Championships for at the Rec in Iowa City, their brand-new sparkling rec center, CR- the CRWC. And he's telling me how he feels really good. Iowa had a phenomenal four-by-four four four relay team. Uh, let me, I believe, gosh, I'd like to name the guys. Paul Gordon was one. Ryan Phelan was two. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Cedar Rapids guy. Yep. Duncan Part- Patri- is Partridge or Patridge was three. And I can't remember the four. The anchor. I think the, the, Phelan was the anchor because he was the fastest. Um, yep. I can't remember the fourth person in that leg, and it's going to bug me now. I should look this up. Anyway, tell me how he felt. And I believe they ended up taking third place overall. Really historically great for Iowa. And, and Phelan might have even placed second in 50 free. He was a sprinter, maybe even first. Um, and tell me how we felt like Iowa had a really good chance because one of Indiana's swimmers in that four by one of their best swimmers in the men's leg of that four by four was out. And he's telling me how, the, you know, that's great. You know, we've got a really good chance because so-and-so is out for Indiana. He's, but that's off the record. And I, this is something I'd already known before he told me that. <laughs> and I go, what do, you, what do you mean it's off the record? And he goes, well, you can't, we can't report that. And I said, well, where did you hear that? And he says, well, you know, I'm a coach, so we just know these things. I had to pull, and I say, well, I, you know, that's, not, that's public information, and I'm going <laughs> to report it, and I'm going to print it. It's not going to come out of your mouth, but I'm going to say, Indiana, this one wasn't swimming for Indiana. So you can't do that, like uh, source confidentiality, blah, blah, blah. I pull out my phone. <laughs> and pull up the Indiana Daily student, which has reported the swimmer will not be swimming the Big Ten Championships. And he's just all flustered. You know, you can't do that, blah, 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 blah. And he would and he would say these types of things. All, he would it'd be like, you know, I had a banana for breakfast, but that's off the record. You know, he, would, he didn't say that, but he would, he would say things that you could Google at, at the bat of an eye and say they're off the record. He just had absolutely – he had a fundamental misunderstanding of – OTR confidentiality between subject and reporter. And it's something that I will never forget about him. Um, I, I told Bromble camp, he was the only coach who ever kicked me out of a practice and there was no reason to do it. He, <laughs> I just showed up to practice one day to 
collect my interviews um, for a story I was writing, and he had um, an assistant coach usher me out of there, and the guy was just apologizing to me the whole time. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Scared I was going to steal, you know, their training secrets and report them uh, elsewhere. I don't know the first, I don't know the first freaking thing about swimming at the time. They were just swimming laps as far as I could tell. Um, That's what it is. Like, I mean, there are some things you can do, but it's all swimming laps. I remember. <laughs> so many laps. I remember because this is the year that, um, this is the first year they were in, they were out of the field house and in the CRWC and the, they were posting better time, slightly better times, I guess, for better or for worse, by like you know tenths of a second because it's swimming. And I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure it's Duncan Partridge um, gave me this quote. It was like I don't know it's how, why, and it was a great quote, and it's something I I think I had. Uh, we put it up in the in the cubicle of the Daily Island Sports Desk. It was you know water is water, and you know that's still true to this day. Uh, water is water, swimming is swimming. And off the record is not off the record if you're Mark Long. Well, water's, water, wa- water is water is a great quote, but there is something faster about these pools, and it's incredibly niche knowledge that I have. The the way these it, pools it has something to do with built. under. It's under. It's, it's something mm-hmm. to do with the current that's under below this the the bottom of the pool, right? Somebody yeah. did describe this to me at the time. Yeah, I'd yeah, want to get and it's like leads. all one, it's all one shell that they'll put in these really high level pools. So that's part of it. And the other one might be a little bit of a difference is when they have the lanes at the maximum width, they're able to deaden so that you're not getting any of the backdraft. So that's that's also it too. Um, I heard another thing was like you know they're at the field house. They're basically swimming on concrete yeah. and like the, the lacquer or the polymer or whatever they, the tiles that they used to line the, the pool at the CRWC created a better wind turbine type effect for the swimming too. Which, I mean, swimming, you you know, tenths of a second are all the, di- the, all the difference in the entire world. It's just so crazy. And I mean, yeah, they were, they were really, really good swimmers. So, you know, maybe just short of, World world class. I mean, remember Ryan Lochte was on that team uh, the year before, so it was you know weird stuff. Super interesting. Well, mm-hmm. I asked I asked you that question and have you tell that story because once again the the story that can never die is the 2020-2021 Iowa basketball season, and this. Uh, week brought about uh, the transfer of CJ Frederick. It has been recently announced as of Tuesday night at 9 p.m., the time of this recording, 420, um, that Kentucky has contacted him above board. Um, (laughs) And and I guess the the way Chad Lysakow put put it was pretty, pretty succinct. There are no lines to read between because there was no press release from Iowa basketball. Uh, Fran was displeased with how this took place. And we are a pro player podcast. Let that be known. We consistently make that known. But it seems pretty clear that um, there are ways to transfer that will 
make Fran McCaffrey very mad. And to me, if Frederick had been above board the whole time in terms of, hey, I'm thinking of leaving Iowa at the exit interview Friday, these rumors have been circulating in Kansas or Kentucky sports since really, I mean, literally the end of March Madness, not even the end of March Madness, literally when Iowa lost a uh, Kentucky sports radio guy, he tweeted, I think Kentucky gets someone who is, uh, whose team was just eliminated today. I remember that tweet very specifically. Um, you know, it's very, uh, he could have said, yeah, these are true rumors and he didn't, it would appear. And then on Sunday he says he's gone, uh, to the team and yeah, no more friends from CJ Frederick and Iowa city. It would appear. It's so funny how the sentiment was when Jack Nunji left. More power to him. Best of luck, kid. We understand. We feel, I mean, there are obviously very unfortunate, extenuating circumstances with Nunji, but still sort of start starter caliber player leaving Iowa City for, and now we know he's going to Xavier, which, you know, might be an upgrade for the, for the kid. Um, whereas Frederick, now, for better or for worse, if you remember what I said about my roommate and what he can go do, or not my roommate, excuse me, the guy who lives below me uh, a few weeks ago. That's what fans are saying now about CJ Frederick. And it's really tough to disagree with them. If it's, if he, if he really told Fran, I'm staying on Friday and then said, said the rest, said the rest on Sunday, Uh, you know, especially there, that, that screenshot of his uncle, on Kentucky fan boards in or on Facebook, um, the I would like to say the University of Iowa compliance Twitter. Oh uh, yeah, today had a fantastic tweet. Let's pull it up. I'd like to read it verbatim. Uh, a good reminder that our prospect of Division One transfer needs to be entered into the transfer portal before any contact or communication occurs. Um, this is a subtweeting after Youngstown State is getting hit with sanctions for <laughs> violating this. If you recall, um, there were the rumors of Alabama tampering with Davion Nixon uh, a- after his stint. Um, what was the community college? Oh, I don't. I, was it Hillsdale? Uh, I thought it was West Iowa Western. It was, was Iowa that? Western. It was Iowa Western. And there are rumors of Alabama targeting Nixon um, when he was en route to Iowa City from Iowa Western. And UI compliance was in the, the Pants' DMs, sort of alluding that they were aware of the situation and they were. Uh, whoever runs that account, whoever runs that department at Iowa is incredibly online. And I am here for it. We should probably, I'm going to, I hope no journalist listen to this because I'm going to write this down right now as a blog story. Um, Compliance guy. I'll remember (laughs) that later. Uh, Just, you know, shitty stuff. And what I want to, you know, I think you can, you probably more into it more more than I am, but you know, some of the rumors are like Frederick doesn't like the way he was treated. How was he treated? Was he, do you think he was forced to play with an injury? Because I don't think that's true. He he missed three or four games this year, and then he started every other game. 
He he was a starter on a team that was a two seed that pulled off one of the best runs in the country from February to March, from the beginning of February to the end of March. Obviously didn't make the Sweet 16, but still had, I think, posted, went on a 7-1 and one or a 6-2 and two run with wins over Ohio State um, during, and during that time in Wisconsin. How can he other, unless there was some weird, funky stuff going on with his injury situation, I don't know how you could say C.J. Frederick was slighted by this Iowa program. I think you said something in the Slack that cracked me up. It was the playing time dog don't hunt. And that's where I lean in. I just, the, the only way I can, I can think that he was quote unquote mistreated is if he wanted to practice through a lot of this stuff. And Fran said, no, you're getting treatment. And Iowa over-indexed on him getting treatment um, versus practice time. I I genuinely don't see how he was mistreated necessarily because, to your point, Ben, he, he started every game. He was available. Um, it was clear when he was ailing that his time went down and it was a function of his time going down. Now, maybe I think we get a little, not even room mongering, but too full of conjecture. If we think about it from a a personality standpoint, I mean, one thing that I think is like, you know, Connor and Patrick are confident kids. And if they're on a team together anywhere, irrespective of Fran being coach, my guess is Connor and Patrick would run every locker room they're in. Now, Iowa had a, a star who had his own orbit in Luca Garza, and Bohannon is kind of that um, alpha type figure as well. And I don't want to say distance, but it seems like he's got his own thing going on. I can see Connor and Patrick being the guys that are kind of rallying the troops more or less, and maybe Frederick didn't necessarily like that. But uh, it's hard just hard for me to believe, especially given Fran's track record, um, that that he was slighted. Uh, and especially you, you go back and you unpack the genesis of Frederick coming to Iowa. He was Iowa was mainly the the only team that offered him. And he came without a scholarship. So he wanted to play with Fran as a result of, of Fran's connection to Joe Frederick, CJ's uncle. I'm not going to begrudge Frederick for wanting to transfer for whatever reasons he, he deems valuable. Um, part of me thinks like maybe he, he and Fran had a disconnect in terms of his role next year. Maybe Frederick thought he should be an alpha, but Fran said, hey, we want to see you healthy before we start building an offense around you. Maybe that's how he views it, but a lot of the, uh, anything outside of this is just conjecture, so we just kind of have to take what we hear and what we see because it, it ended much worse than it began. Um, I'm reminded of the silly Twitter meme where it's like, 
how it started, how it's going. Well, how it started with CJ Frederick is hilariously still his pinned tweet as of this recording where he has his commitment to Iowa. And that cracked me up. That was something that I was always like, I, I will believe the CJ Frederick rumors when he gets Iowa scrubs it from his Twitter bio and he scrubs it from his pin tweet. And he still hadn't done that last I checked. So um, maybe he'll return. Probably not, but uh, it's, it's easy to speculate, I guess. And Iowa fans are ones for speculating. We all are like all are in terms of all, all fans speculate, but um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll, – I'll take my turn, turn at speculating right now. Um, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram or anything, and but I am in the BHGB – I'm in the Blackheart Gold Slack – Slackheart Gold Pants, excuse me. And I'm in two different, you know, Iowa Iowa group me's of friends I, friends I went to Iowa with. And they post, you know, the Instagrams and everything, and – it's always pretty predominantly, you know, photos of Pat and Toussaint and Bohannon together and um, even like Perkins and Garza and, and Nunji and Frederick was never in any like, you know, the photos of guys working out together, or playing pickup together or anything like that from, from what I could tell. Um, when when Toussaint Toussaint was pretty active on Twitter. I am on Twitter, and I'm I see a lot of things on there. And Toussaint was always tweeting back at Pat, and Bohannon was always tweeting back at Garza or, or, or Toussaint, or um, the McCaffreys were always tweeting at Chris Hassel. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know things like that. Nunji, not excuse me, Frederick always seemed to have, uh, and maybe he just wasn't an online guy, but he always seemed to be outside of the click that was this Iowa basketball team. I don't know if it's true or not. It's hard for me to, be, I mean, it, it's hard just for me to believe that. I, I think, you know, somebody in our Slack said that as of Saturday or Sunday, both McCaffrey's had unfollowed Frederick um, on Instagram, which I mean, that, that's smoke. That, that's good smoke, I think. And it's also worth noting, you know, it feels like it's a given he's transferring to Kentucky. Like how would he feel if he doesn't end up at Kentucky, you know? Like Kentucky always felt like a weird landing spot for him. You know, they haven't, Kentucky has been the Kentucky we've known since in a couple of years, I guess, you know, even without the COVID year. But it's like, I think somebody said that Cal told him he would be the next Tyler Harrow. And you said, okay, well, I hope Cal can help him grow three more inches, you know, something like that. Like if he goes, if, Frederick goes like, does he seem feel like a Kentucky player to you? Like, he's gonna sit behind a four or five star freshman. Um, if if he goes there, I feel like I don't understand. It, I don't know if it would hurt more or less if he ended up at Kentucky or elsewhere. I, I guess is something we have to grapple with. So I think the first question is like, why would he go to Kentucky? And to me, it's. It's like almost a Jared Utah situation. You know, a kid who, for whatever reason, doesn't like where he's at and he's going home. Now, Iowa and Wisconsin are much more equal in program stature than Iowa and Kentucky. So, to me, it, it make, if Kentucky's calling, I, I would pick it up. 
if I were CJ Frederick. Um, and you look at the trajectory, Iowa, he just played for an Iowa team that had their best regular season and still had a flame out in the tournament. Maybe he sees that and is like, well, that's all this can do. And to your point, Kentucky's best, I think they were in the Elite Eight maybe four years ago when they lost to Auburn. Maybe it was three years. But that feels like a long time ago, but really it isn't. And Frederick is not... um, the other thing that doesn't necessarily make sense is like I was looking at uh, a sea of blue, the Kentucky, um, the Kentucky SB Nation blog, and let me see where this is. It is there, uh, the one that got some run on the internet uh, tonight. If Kentucky were to land Frederick, he would be seen as a bench option and not the solution to Kentucky's guard issues. Frederick would be a viable shooting threat alongside Kellen Grady and Dante Allen. Um, that was done by Ian Teasley. Um, so to me, he's just looking for a similar role at his hometown elite program. And I get that. Um, especially if Fran maybe told him, we see you having a similar 10 to 12 point role next year. If you're healthy, it'll probably, it may increase, but we want to see you be healthy for a full season because remember his, his redshirt freshman season, he was injured as well. So he hasn't had a full season in Iowa City where he's been healthy. And that, to me, is also a similar easy case for him to be like, hey, like I'm a little snake bit in the same way that Nunji had been snake bit from an injury perspective his whole time at Iowa. People understand when guys want to transfer. They just, I mean, Iowa, I think, has maybe a little... Um, higher regard for moral and ethics um, when it comes to NCAA sports. So to blindsided might be the wrong word, but to, to feel to be duped, I guess is probably a better word. Um, it frustrates them, frustrates Fran and the passive aggressiveness was off the charts. I loved it. So I'm glad you brought up the injury thing where Frederick hasn't really truly played a full, you know, he really hasn't, not even, he hasn't at all played a f- season fully healthy. You know, there are, there are even times maybe I think where he started games last year, this most recent year, and I maybe wish he had it. Um, so I guess, you know, if we thought Fran rushed him into play, m- maybe that could be a thing, but here's something I think we should also maybe consider is maybe I was kind of, Getting a good, you know, even though there isn't somebody who could replace him right now, maybe they're kind of getting away. They're kind of dodging a bullet here. If if Frederick is once again taking up minutes that I think would be better spent, uh, better spent, you know, if seventy percent Frederick isn't as good as a hundred percent, literally anybody else on this roster, you know, um, we're I don't think we know the extent of his injuries. And again, I don't want a rumor monger, but somebody had said, you know plantar fasciitis might be a problem with him and that's a horrible horrible injury um that's something people don't that's something people struggle with their entire lives um Mm -hmm. and i don't want to speculate you know uh i had it you know i lost basically my junior and senior year uh, rugby in, in high school because of it and 
I had absolutely no interest in rehab. <laughs> so that's, that was my, <laughs> that was my own problem. But something I'm now that I'm getting into running uh, this past year, it's something that's come, I'm feeling things that I haven't felt in my foot uh, in over 10 years. Uh, and had I have done some better, more healthier things, I wouldn't be dealing with that now. But Again, if this is if this if something that is true or other weird ankle foot stuff like maybe a broken metatarsal here or there, another really tough um, tough foot injury to overcome, it might not be the worst thing in the world if I will lose as a guy who just can't stay healthy. I agree, um, and I think a couple things as we look towards the next season, because I think Bart did a great job kind of outlining reasons for optimism after CJ Frederick announces transfer to, to me, the, the biggest key is that like, Hey, is there someone healthy that you can lean on? But two, Iowa has bodies. They can throw at the, the two position. They have Perkins. You can see Euless potentially starting in a two point guard lineup. Our, our, favorite guy to hate on is Jordan Bohannon. He, he may be back. And if he's a full-time shooting guard, I think a lot of people would be happier about that than him as maybe uh, a point guard, potentially taking time away from Tucson or Ulysses. Um, but if, if t- to me, there, their situation, there are solutions to the roster, excuse me, solutions to the problem on the roster. So I think that, you're spot on in that that assessment. The the other thing I think is it's a harder needle to thread in terms of an analysis, but when I look at last year's team being based so much on skill and spacing and um a a knowledge of motion offense that is something that maybe I c- cannot grasp he's more valuable in that ecosystem than he may be in the ecosystem that will be developed around hopefully Toussaint, Patrick and Keegan Murray. Obviously you still want, you're not going to turn down a 48% three point shooter. So I'm not going to say, Oh, Iowa's better, but I, I think Iowa is more able to withstand the loss of him as they shift to a new style of play because the new style of play may not be so requisite to have elite shooting across the board. And again, a bit of a, a needle to thread in analysis, but I, I think a fair one to think about when next season is just a total blank slate. And I think losing any known from that scares people, but it, it's early for me to make a prediction without knowing what hay is in the barn. So I'm withholding a lot of judgment on predictions. And Kenyon Murray has been my favorite reply guy to, to follow throughout this. He's had some, you know, some great tweets at Rob Howe in terms of people are overlooking the eight people that are currently on the roster. And that's both fair and unfair. It's fair because there's not a, huge track record with them, but it's also unfair in not allowing them the opportunity to one, have time for Fran to 
round out the roster. And two, he recruited them to Iowa for a reason. So um, ultimately, it's a it's a bad thing. There are good transfers and there are bad transfers. This one, losing a starter is a bad transfer. But you unpack it a little more. Iowa wasn't going to keep him if even if it was done above board. Um, but that's that's just how this goes sometimes. It, it just is. The other thing you mentioned, you know, losing a 48% shooter is bad. The comment that stuck out to me on Sea of Blue, I can't remember which article was. I think it must have been the same one you were talking about. It was just one guy said, anyone who's shooting over 40% isn't shooting enough. And yes. he, I think he had sort of a negative twinge shade of that comment. And it's like, yeah, find the lie. I think there was, there was a point before Frederick got hurt where I think he – it was his, he had the best assist turnover three point percentage ratio in the entire country, I think. And it was he had just and I think the 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 threshold was something about like, I think like averaging over like he had just barely crossed the threshold to qualify for that statistic. And um, you know, no, just not a volume guy. Like we had said the entire I had every recap I wrote uh, towards the tail end of the season was. I wish Frederick had shot the ball five more times. You know, he yeah. was not hunting for shots. And if that was a, 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 a product of an injury or his perceived role with the team, then you know, maybe get him out of here. I don't know. Yeah. I just come back to if, if someone if and this is kind of a Kirk, a Kirk thing. If someone has their mindset on going somewhere else, there, it is tough to persuade them and then still keep them happy. Um, I think he said about Geno Stone specifically, and it wasn't a shot at, at Geno by any means. It was a a reflection of the facts. Kirk gave him the facts in terms of his his draft profile, and um, you know Stone made that decision with with Frederick. It. And I'll be honest, like I said, the thing that frustrates me is to to be a starter on a top five team and have your antennas up for a path. That that bugs me, but um, the the transfer itself doesn't necessarily. Fran will move on. Fran always moves on. Um, and I don't know that it necessarily um, his loss. I don't think lowers the ceiling on next year. It does lower the floor, though, I think, um, because there's there's not a, a huge margin for error with Iowa scoring next year, but they'll also be a better defensive team. Knock on wood. I mean, and we've been avoiding talking about it. His departure really opens the door for Bohan return now, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And, and, but But here's the thing. Bohannon's a guy that if you have him at, at shooting guard, he's not afraid of taking those shots. He's going to take those shots. He's going to hunt them. And yeah. he's going to make... So, so like, we don't need to litigate Bohannon. We, if, we, we spent yeah. plenty of time on that. But uh, how, <laughs> how much crow would I eat if Bohan, if Frederick ran so Bohannon could fly? <laughs> in 2021 and 22. <laughs> um, 
I won't bring it up. You'll you'll make yourself eat it. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I can see yeah. it happening though. Now I totally can. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but let's hear from Bohannon um, before we we make a prediction on what what he can look like in in twenty twenty one twenty two if he so chooses. Um, Too bad so I there guess aren't ben, enough places to hear Bohannon. I know, right? Uh, moving towards spring football in the last 20 minutes or so, um, maybe the first and only thing worth discussing is just how misguided I was in my assessment that um, there was any sort of QB controversy. There is none. No, there's not. Um, uh, it's always so tough when you talk about the spring game, because, you know, it's a spring game. They're practicing against themselves. I didn't realize, and do you know how many practices they had until they played this game? Was it the ninth? It was the ninth. That's f- yeah. That seems so few to me. I, well, they're I, doing two. They have a second. They have a second one. Still, it seems awfully early to be doing this. So, I mean, if it's, to make the fans happy, you know, because they missed out last year because of COVID, fine. I'm happy. Totally, totally on board with that. Um, you know, concerning thing, so going to address the QB thing, I think, uh, in Dockman's write-up, he mentioned Padilla was sort of sensational in his first drive, uh, completed four passes, but then his next drive he didn't complete any, though there were, it sounds like there were a couple of drops that uh, should have been easy catches by, by some of the guys. Uh, he said... And players said that, you know, Petrus looked a lot more confident. I mean, yeah, because he's playing against his friends and, and, yeah, and, uh, and Kinnick. <laughs> uh, so that's why, you know, the only thing, I guess, Ty- Tyron Tracy seemed like he was a star, stole the show. Uh, so if that makes Petrus's job better or easier, fine. I'm all for it, I guess. I think I was a little bit concerned about the receivers. If Tracy can be primetime guy, I, uh, I, I'm happy to see it. I'm not surprised. I will say I did watch a Tyrone Tracy highlight tape um, two or three minutes long on Twitter this past week, and approximately one play uh, it featured Spencer Petrus. The rest all featured Nate Stanley. So, uh, you know, Tracy only had 14 catches last year. Um that was good. That's not going to cut it uh, again, you know, abbreviated season, but still uh, only thing that I really can take away from this is sort of the injuries. Iowa had a, and it's early in the year, ninth practice. So it's not, not concerning at all, but I think they had uh, a walk on start. One of the defensive tackle positions, a guy I'd never heard of before. Um, I think they had to start a walk on at corner because it sounds like the Xavier, the what's the guy, Xavier, the, the transfer we got from Northern Iowa is a little bit hobbled. Um, wasn't able to fill in. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, you know, spring game, not too much to take away, really. You know, it's sort of the the uh, the running joke in the press, press, press core for Iowa. Is it's the Damon Powell coming out party. Uh, yeah. When there's always a player, Don Shumpert, you know, too. We talked about him a lot last Jay week. Jay Yep. Jay, you know, player, typically wide receivers, but just guys have a great spring game and then sort of go away forever. 
after that. Derek Willies. Yeah. Ah, Derek Willies. Yep. We never knew the, um, the one that, the one thing I did want to touch on that especially sticks in my craw with regard to Petrus and I, and I'll, I'll just leave it alone. Like it's just, it's a Sisyphean, Sisyphean, Sisyphean attempt. Just roll the ball, roll the boulder up the hill with Iowa quarterback talk and myself. But the thing that sticks in my craw is how Kirk says that he eludes the main driver in this apparent huge gap of QB1 to QB2. Because that's what he said. He said Padilla is closer to, to Christopher than he is to, to Petrus. Is experience. Do you know why Petrus has more experience than Alex Padilla? Because Kirk never pulled the plug on Spencer Petrus last year. And he played so bad for a number of games that it would have made sense to pull the plug on Padilla. A different coach would have seen two quarterbacks play for Iowa last year. Maybe three. Maybe three. Um, Especially with the leash that the defense gave Iowa last year. So it's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy that Kirk has created to tell himself why Spencer Petrus has the gap that he does. And whatever. I need to see it to believe it is what it comes down to. And... I'm not going to see it in the spring game when he throws the worst pick early and then goes on to have a fine, fine spring game, whatever. <sighs> I mean, yeah. And the, and the pick was to cave on Mary, Mary Weather, you know, who could be a prime time player for this defense. Uh, who was, I was number point. three quarterback. Was it still Kapisak, the walk on? I mean, no, it's Christopher happened. Hogan. He wasn't the, he wasn't on the roster the last year. Was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Was he, he was. really? Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Um, I thought this yeah. was the first spring. Well, uh, I don't know. I guess in the, I, another thing too, like you know, Regani, another guy who was injured. So he, uh, Keegan Keegan Johnson was you know the other you were talking him up uh, last week, and I was sort of trying to uh, p- piss in your Cheerios when when you when you when you were saying that. So. You know, maybe this is a pro Keegan podcast. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. so I'm I'm so into Keegan's right now. Like, if my wife and I have another child, whenever Keegan might be at the top of the list. Ooh, I don't know. Regardless of gender. Ah, there we go. No, Randy? actually, not regardless of gender. Yeah, that's tough. Because because we have a a named pick out for a girl. If that happens in probably <laughs> five years, we'll see. My niece is named Keegan. Oh, she, Tegan? Yeah, it's, co- it's close. That's a good name. Yeah. E- Egan's are good names. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that, that kind of does it for, for the spring football talk. Um, there's nothing crazy with uh, non-fungible tokens other than mm. at Evan Mobley. Um, he sold his, I believe, for just two, um, two Ethereums. Which was about four thousand dollars. What is an Evan Mobley? Um, he's the center from USC. He won Freshman of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, okay. and um, Player of the Year okay. for the Pac-12 conference. So he did what Luca Garza did, but with greater success. No, 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 no. Less success. Oh, much, much great. Much less. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then 
the one that's interesting is Jalen Suggs is selling an NFT. I don't know who that is. So what is interesting is it looks like, um, I think, I can't remember if we had this discussion specifically, but the fact that um, Luca Garza's uh, card, for lack of a better word, it had him doing things while in the Iowa jersey. So he's, he's I don't know if, He's they did it above board with oh. um, with uh, kind of the athletic department to clear it. But what you see with these um, Mobley and Suggs ones, it's hilarious because it's like them just kind of staring into a staring into screen with kind of a slow motion capture, and they're wearing generic jerseys that are the same color as their their college teams. That cracked me up. That is funny. Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. So like I feel I, like a Suggs, I feel like a Suggs, even though they lost, like the Suggs-Gonzaga jersey is kind of timeless because they still had, you know, they still had such an incredible season. Um, when is Suggs' I, is, what? Suggs is, is being sold by the end of this week, I think is when you can place an auction. But Is there like a speculated asking price? I mean, obviously it's kind uh-oh. of dumb, bro. But I Let's feel like that's. See. I feel like that's gonna go. Do you? Th- is there like with these? Because I feel like that's a. I feel like it's sort of a given. You know, Suggs is gonna have a great NBA career. So is there sort of the aura? It's like, all right, let's get this because this top shot when he goes to the NBA is gonna be twice the price. So we were. This is a really, really good investment. You know, and here's our only chance to get it. Um, that's an interesting question. Because I think from a pure, like, artistic value, and, and this is just my opinion, the Mobley and Suggs ones are not as good. Like, I think a lot of work went into Garza's to make it good, to make it um, have some, like, s- some more to it, especially when you compare these two. Um but I do think, like, if you look at, at the Suggs one, I think um, his his will definitely go more than Mobley's. I would I would bet 20 bucks on it or whatever. But I, I don't know. I think Garza's has the highest ceiling for now. And then Suggs probably has the highest ceiling for 20 years or whatever, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know, like, but, but it's, it's just, will, will the, the percentage chance that Mobley or Suggs will just have this NFT replaced by an NBA top shot lower this value? I don't know. Who knows? Cause like the, the NBA top shot has these badges that they'll have where they'll say, oh, this was the guy's first top shot or first basket from his first game. Um, so may, I don't know. I don't know. It's this stuff is just so weird to even have any sort of predictive take on it. Um, it would seem misguided, which is exactly why I predicted how much Luca Garza's would go for and was wrong. 
very, very wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, fifty percent off. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, what else? What else, my friend? Oh, did you did you have a trip this this past week? I was in. Uh, I had a golf trip, sort of a fake pseudo bachelor party for a college roommate mm. of mine. Only only eight guys. We were in Palm Springs. Um, first time ever there. It's pretty sweet, you know. Desert golf played pretty sweet course. Um, I didn't really know much about Palm Springs. Going, we were actually in La Quinta. I don't know if you know anything about the. I don't know anything. It's called the Inland Empire is the region, California. Mm. Um, all I can really say is don't get old. You know, a lot of septuagenarians in that area, and it's incredible. Um, you know, going out to dinner. <laughs> Everything, it's so funny. We never, like, they're only, so is my friend, he had, you know, his wedding got canceled last year because of COVID. So him and his wife got, technically got married um, in a courthouse or something. And so they, this batch, they're, then they're having like a, a party in two months, I think, uh, instead. And so this is like the bachelor party never happens. This bachelor party got canceled too. And so there's only eight of us out there. And it's like, we're all, I mean, we did, we played, we were out there. Friday, Saturday, um, got in Thursday night and we played 36 holes both Friday and Saturday. And we didn't do shit at night because one, we're old and 36 holes in the desert sun gets to you, especially with, you know, 7am tea times. And two, everything closes at eight or nine. <laughs> Literally, we couldn't even find a restaurant. We couldn't even find a restaurant to eat at. So we had to go to Costco and we, we cook for ourselves, which is something I've never done on a bachelor party before, <laughs> cook a meal. Um, again, there are only eight of us. So it wasn't a huge deal. But it's just so funny. It was like we wanted to go out to this Italian dinner on not even like nice. You know, it was a bar and it just they served Italian food. It was a sports bar that served Italian food and they closed at fucking nine. And it was like we get there at 830. And it was like we can't, you know, really promise we won't spend your food. It's like, okay, I guess, you know, we'll go to Wendy's. It was just very, very funny. Oh, that's incredible. And and we're, that's and inc- we, we even asked, it's like, Oh, is this like a COVID thing? Like California is super strict on lockdowns. It's like, no, it's just, we just close it. We have always closed at nine. <laughs> oh man. That, that would feel like you went to a bachelor party in Bentonville, Arkansas, because that's when like all the restaurants more or less shut down. The, but when you say cook a meal, do you mean like literally any meal? Because what I've found is like the, the best bachelor party thing, if you're renting an Airbnb or whatever, is breakfast. Like just the whole spread, get two dozen eggs, scramble them all up, bacon in the oven. So I was part of the four. There are eight people total. Two of them, two of the eight people, including the bachelor, live in California. So we flew, okay. into, San, flew into San Diego and as part of the early crew. So one of the guys who... Had, had lives in California. Um, we went to his house and then we went on a Costco run sort of knowing this would happen. And we, we had the conversation about cooking the eggs and everything. It's like, that's such a mess though. And like, since we had, since we, we, we knew we would cook the meal and then not clean up because we had to get out the door to play golf. We would come home to an incredible, incredibly messy kitchen and none of us would want to clean up, clean it afterwards. So we're like, no, well, all we did, we got a box of Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwiches, um, bananas, avocados, and Costco has the Einstein bagels and cream cheese, which was a really, you know, great uh, breakfast to have, you know, those carbs in the morning. And then 
dinner, we cooked Costco's cheese tortellini and bread sauce and like Italian sausages in there. And it was actually really, really good. And then second night, we just grilled more bratwurst and burgers. And so, you know, it was a nice, really nice Airbnb that accommodated us fine. And uh, that was sort of it. And we would eat lunch at the course, you know, typical golf course food. So food was not nearly as big of a problem as it has been other bachelor parties where, you know, every other bachelor party I've ever been on is drink drinking centered. And this was golf centered. So very different priority, you know, priorities was shooting low, not getting sunburnt, not getting dehydrated. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sort of it. Yeah. The, the getting shit face is, is a, a side effect of, getting dehydrated, getting sunburned and, and not shooting low. Well, that's the thing too, is like, I'm typically a beer drinker only. Um, I'll enjoy, I'm drinking whiskey now, but it's like, I enjoy it. I, you know, kind of a snob in that sense. And like, you can't, when it's that hot out, you can't get drunk on beer. You just, you just can't They're you know, not. And I also, I don't like to really drink when I golf uh, as opposed to everybody else. <laughs> who's on this trip um, who <laughs> might not remember the last 18 or nine holes of the round. Uh, so it's like I, in order to like even feel a little bit of a buzz, I had to make myself, we bought a handle of Tito's at Costco. It's like I would, and I hate, I really don't like vodka at all, but I would have to force myself when we got to get home for the course to get on everybody else's level and not want to kill myself. Um, I would, I made a great drink. It was Tito's, Snapple, uh, peach Snapple, I think, um, a splash of whatever Gatorade was lying around. And then we, Amazing. Bought, we bought orange juice too. And it tasted so good. I felt like a real bartender because there were four layers of color <laughs> in my drink. <laughs> it was a real rainbow. It, it was actually, it was sweet. I got a picture of it. Um, and, I, and that was totally unintentional. I didn't think it was going to happen like that. Uh, so, so yeah, oh, it, it tasted, you had enough mixers in there to not taste the, the vodka and then have one of those and then move on to Coors Lights. Uh, they bought, somebody brought these Hout uh, seltzers from San Diego. I believe they're called a- a- Ashland Seltzery, which were fine. Totally fine. Nine, really good branding on the cans. But, you know, uh, it looks like you're enjoying a seltzer now. I, I'm not sure if that's going to be it for me. Yeah, I mean, to me, the seltzers are where it's at. I just, every now and then, it's it's like if I'm not at a brewery on a patio or in, inside now, I got the, I got jabbed again, so. Yep, mine's next week, congrats. Uh, man, good luck, good luck. I hope you have as little uh, uh, symptoms as I did. Just a low-grade fever for about 24 hours and locked and loaded. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's all seltzer time. Now, the thing I do want to get into is uh, I did rum big time last summer. I think it might be a gin summer for me. I need to, to find some really good locked and loaded ones. But to me, like, we had the mint plant. It was just too easy to, to crush a mojito. Like, like those are the... E- I understand why you should not order them at a bar. They're a pain in the butt. But like for a single person making a mojito, it's a very, you know, if you're going to make a cocktail, it's 
got some flourish to it's it. It's probably so. the best drink. Yeah, it probably yeah. It really is the best drink. Yeah, uh, the mojito is just tremendous. So I might. Do you try have a mortar and can... pestle? Um, not a true like mortar and pestle, but we have one of the grinder or not okay. grinders, but something that you use to to a, a uh, muddler sorts. Yeah, muddler. Yeah, we have a muddler. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did have one beverage and it was kind of the equivalent. It was like uh, gin and basil um, instead of uh, mm. mint and, and rum. So I might have to see if that, that can be a, a, uh, a summer drink. It might be, it might be. Did you buy that bottle of Pims? I didn't buy the bottle of Pims. What the because, hell? Uh, it didn't have, like the actual price tag, I was about to pay $30 for it. I can't imagine it would have been $30, but I didn't want to go up there and be like, oh, it's $25. And then be like, ah, do I want it or not? I just made some more of the cheater's cup. It's pretty easy. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's the, and, and like, I know you're anti beef eaters, but I'm, I, I am, I am pro finding a $20 bottle of something that I like and then just, going back to it like with white rum it's florida cana um to, or kanya that's just i know it it may not be the best may not be the worst it's definitely not the worst i'll just go back to it um so that's where beef eater is with me uh hendrix i think is kind of around there um but it's more aromatic i like it but hendrix is i kind of i think was meant to be drank alone or in a gin and tonic, not not in, in a cocktail. You know, Alton Brown just came out with a video, I think, this week talking about gin and tonic, and he said beef eater was his preferred. Um, and he he doesn't use to- he he has his own soda water thing, uh, and that's yeah. like that creates actually like way more bubbles. And then he has like there's a tonic in the olden days. Tonic was like a flavor, not a soda water type of deal. Tonic, yes. and so he has like tonic bitters. I think because um, it's quinine or quinine or whatever. It's a whole thing. I don't know. I, I don't like tonic because it's full of sugar. Um, for, you know, have you, I wonder, maybe I'll go on their website, but my favorite gin is, it fits right in that $20 range is Leatherby, the Chicago gin. Oh yeah. I'm going to look right now for you and see if you can find it, how far South you can. Cause I you know they have it in other States for sure. Um, it says now available in Europe, right on the website. If you can't get this in Arkansas, then um, I'll write a letter. Oh, also check um, the Missouri border of Missouri and Arkansas. I know uh, former uh, podcast co-host Max Brecky wants to get rid of Missouri. Um, you can add him. Uh, I'm not going to. It's actually a good take, I think. But um, funny story is that there's a Macadoodles. What is and that? It's, um, the liquor chain is a strong word to use, but it's got two stores in one's like 20 miles North, 15 miles North. The other one's like 15 miles South of where we live. And they opened Macadoodles Plaza, which is just, they own this land and they have shopping center or whatever, but they weren't allowed to call their liquor store Macadoodles. Why? Ben, I don't know. This this town and their liquor laws perplex me. 
So they called it Guess Who because Guess Who? Macadoodles. So um, that is the Northwest Arkansas uh, alcohol law, law story for for this podcast. I guess back to the, the seltzers that you mentioned. I, on my Instagram, review seltzers and I need to get the reviews up into my save stories. But the, this Lost 40 brand, it's um, pretty good. I like it. Um, Bing Bing Black Cherry is the one I'm having right now. And I would say um, it's as good as a, a White Claw as I've, as close to a White Claw as I've had with the 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 Black Cherry. Another one I had this weekend, Ben, Bud Light has these out-of-office seltzers. Okay. And they're like um, cocktail-flavored seltzers. So one is Mango Mai Tai, and it doesn't taste like a Mai Tai at all because it doesn't have the orgy at. Big Mai, mai Tai guy here. Um, but it does... It is the best version of a mango seltzer as I've had bar none um, because mango is a shitty flavor. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that. I just, you know, I can't get behind the seltzer thing. You know, it's not too much, too much bubbles for me. Um, I like beer too much. I like too many other things too much. That's sort of it. It sounds like you can get leather bee. Leatherby delivers nationwide, which is must be a new development. You can just order it online, and a liter bottle is only $30. Sounds like shipping would cost you quite a bit, probably. 750 milliliters is only uh, unavailable online, so I can't tell you that. Well, all right. I, I It's a local brand, so I, I have no problem giving Leatherby the free advertising. They also Give. make absinthe. Real absinthe? It, it says charred oak absinthe. Um, I don't know. And it's, it comes only in 375 milliliter bottles, so maybe the proof is 121. Oof. So. Ben, I, I have one too many children to... <laughs> Oh my goodness! Maybe I'll send you one of these if I can find it. No, the proof is actually one twenty-six. Excuse me, I can't do math. So, like, I'm I'm in on the Slutherby stuff because looking at this website now, we we should actually try and get them to sponsor it and by sponsor it, send me a bottle. Um, I will say so. Leatherby Fernet, big Fernet guy. I haven't had in a while. I'm not. Do you know what Besk is? No. It is their version of Malort. And let me tell you, Nothing. it, it, the original. it is twice the price and half as good. It is not. I don't know why they want to make a niche Malort, but so be it. And then honestly, like the, there are autumnal and vernal gins, like the horseradish flavor gin, which sounds horrible, but isn't that bad. Like there are lo- lots of companies do these gimmicky, you know, flavored, not, not flavored gins, but you know, spring forward gins, I guess, or, or, or autumnal gin. And these are not gimmicky. They're actually pretty good. Um, I mean, the, the vernal one, that horseradish, that's tailor made for you with your um, bloody bloody Marys. 
Um, since You're we'll right. The, the gin and the tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, it's sold out. I never even thought of that. Oh, what was I thinking? What is Frenette? It's a digestive. Yes, which is very important because an aperitif is something you eat before or drink before. A digestive is something you drink after. When I worked at that liquor store, we would sell little shots of Underberg. And we liquor stores right across the street from a very greasy cheeseburger place. And people would uh, come yeah. and just get shots of Underberg after dousing, downing a cheeseburger and a malt and fries. And then they'd go and keep on drinking cause it's Chicago or probably have another cheeseburger. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a, a fun 15 minute discussion on Leatherby Gin and other liquors. Leatherby Distillery, I guess, is what they're called. So yeah. I will um, say so I did a lot of my drinking back in the day at this pretty famous whiskey bar. And it was in Chicago called Delilah's. And it was before I really had a knack or a taste for whiskey. So I would always order just Leatherby on the rocks with the lime because I loved gin, still do. And it was only, at the time, it was only $5. And so I could get freaking blasted. And they'd usually give me like the th- every third one for free. So I would usually get blasted <laughs> off that. And one night, one of the distillers was in for Leatherby. And the owner of the bar said, I, this is a guy I was telling you about. He comes to the, one of the best whiskey bars in the world and orders Leatherby gin every night. And, <laughs> and that was me. Uh, they probably remember me if uh, I were to drop them a line. I don't. Re- I'm looking at their distillers right now, and I can't tell you which one it was on their website. So, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. We shall see. I do want to say so. Since since we've been shooting the breeze for so long here at the end, Chad Lysakow caught up with Jordan Bohannon, and if there's any sense of what him meeting up means with uh mr chad it looks like reading the tea leaves it was him and geo baker and then a canra johnson and caitlin clark who all met with mark emmer and it it looked all four of those kids outside of bohannon look to be back next year. So if we're trying to... I, I think Bohannon's probably inching closer to a lock to return than um, maybe first thought. Yeah, I think so too. Alrighty. And on that note, for Ben Ross... For myself, Harrison Starr, for Leatherby Gin, for Hawks fans everywhere, for CJ Frederick and John Calipari, not go Hawks. Happy Boar 20, everybody.